Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We regularly work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. I. Welcome back to the cottage. In this episode, we're exploring 1 Timothy 4 7, where we're supposed to exercise thyself under discipline. Okay, we've been talking about the spiritual disciplines, and we haven't actually got to any. I'm just kind of introducing you to the idea of spiritual disciplines, the reason why we should do them. I don't think it's, I think it's easy for us to even, and I don't know, maybe the Lord won't have me do them specifically, but it's easy for us to tell somebody to do something. But if you don't know why you're bothering to do it, then it it's almost becomes useless. Like, why am I coming to the church? And I hope you've been understanding that through these messages, why we do these things. It comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, where the Apostle Paul says, But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself under godliness. Now, I know we're getting ready to do the holidays. I know it's getting colder. And I know that pretty much no one likes exercises. When I teach as a professor, none of my students like exercises or homework. I remember one person telling me flat out, so preacher, please don't make the Bible a homework. I already got enough of that. That's what one young man said. But none of us wants to think about exercise. Although uh, Alicia has been told that more exercise needs to happen uh, with her and some of the things that she has been dealing with with her health. And then trying to get Jubilee to move. And Jubilee has not wanted to move. I mean, Jubilee loves to dance like Addie. She's not a professional like Eddie. You're getting classes like Eddie. She just loves to do it. And as of lately, she's just been kind of swaying around because she just isn't feeling it. And uh, today, she's been all about dancing. And as we came, I came in this morning, she was trying to sing Jesus Loves Me, and she couldn't get anybody to join her. So Sherilyn got on the phone and joined her. Cause, and Teresa was trying to help her, but nobody was paying attention because Grandpa just showed up from the village and they're all excited about that. And she's like, but I want to sing Jesus Loves Me. So, no one likes exercise. I mean, the Greek word here is, comes from genazo. <laughs> Train, training. Well, the gymnasium. Of course, in the gymnasium today, I don't know if anybody goes to the gym anymore because of things, but we're supposed to. But even back then, it was more of a social club, and it was more centered on training your whole body. We're getting back to that to some extent. I know my brother was uh, going to uh, one of these places. Uh, Dad calls it Leisure World, but I think that's his couch. <laughs> but anyway, my brother was going to one of these other places. I don't know over there in Alton what the name of it is, Fit Planet Fitness or something or other. And he was getting trained by some physical therapy guy for all of his physical therapy thing he was going through, you know. And so it was more than just doing some kind of exercise. It's actually stretching. 
You know, you go to the chiropractor, you go to stretching, and when you do all those stretches, I've sent some to Rini uh, that a chiropractor gave me for helping people with back pain. But you get, your body gets all messed up, so you stretch out, and you're more flexible, and then your circulation is gone, and your joints are working, and so then your whole body works. And that's the concept here. That's the concept we're talking about. We're talking about getting physically fit and spiritually fit. And that's how they did it back then. The gymnasium was not just to work out with weights. It wasn't just to compete. It was, it was to develop your whole life. Paul would actually use. He rented out a gymnasium and preached in Ephesus. He ran a school out of it. They would use the gymnasium at certain times of the day. Then Paul would work at certain times of the day. But then... Other times of day when it was not being used, he would rent it out. And he would teach and do discipleship. And so this is actually more fitting. Word, because Paul actually did this in Ephesus. Of course, he's talking to Timothy here in, in chapter 4. And this is where they went. They went to the school. Uh, the, the biblical sense here is to develop a person's behavior by instruction and practice. They say if you practice a habit for 14 to 21 days, it takes that long before it kicks in. Right? We're used to going down there now on Wednesdays. Now we've got to figure out how to get up here on a Tuesday. <laughs> it messes up our practice. We've got a habit. Now we've got to figure out I'm not eating Wednesday. <laughs> you know? you know? We've got to change what we do. We've got to change our routine. And so that's what the idea behind this is to train and discipline yourself to alter your behavior for the betterment of your health. For the betterment of your health. That's the idea. Now, using the New American Standard Bible, they actually trans chose to translate this word discipline. But it had nothing to do with worldly fables fit for only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Spiritual disciplines is to discipline yourself so you get more into the things of the Spirit and you experience more of God and a fruit of that will be you'll be like God. You'll be godly. Okay? But that's just how the New American Standard Bible just decided to translate that word exercise. But I showed you in the Greek it's the word for we get gymnasium from. Notice Paul goes on exercise thyself. You can't, you can't ask God, you can't ask God sometimes to do things when you're the one that needs to do it. God, heal me. And God says, well, put the ice cream away and start exercising. Ouch. That's my wife saying, when you come over here, there won't be ice cream. Exercise. That's what the doctor told my wife for her problem that she was having. And she started doing it. Because she noticed she was getting on the heavy side. And then the doctor confirmed it, that your body is having some problem because you need to exercise. And then when Jubilee's not going, she needs to exercise, and Jubilee's exercising. And so when we're on the phone, it's one, two, three, we're doing it. Exercise. Disciplining yourself. Okay? Discipline yourself. Don't get caught up in those things that aren't fit. But what is fit? 
What gets you fit so you can fit into the plan of God for your life? That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here. Exercise thyself unto godliness. Changing your habits so you'll spend more time with God. The doctor told Jubilee she can't have junk food. And you have to cook food differently. Teresa's not happy about that. The world's greatest cook, as far as Teresa's concerned, has had to start cooking food healthy. Jubilee was eating so much spinach that her bowels, her stools were green. But she's eating healthy. She's eating healthy. You're trying to change your life so you're not on junk food. You're not on the pizza, the burger, the chips, and the... Never mind, I can't say. I had to cut you off. No Pepsi today, sorry. But we are on junk food. And then we're wondering why we're unhealthy physically and why no one's here. Because everybody's out there on junk food. Now, the doctor tells my wife, your daughter needs to eat this. My wife loves my daughter. My wife changes the entire family's diet for the benefit of my daughter. Some of you have to change your entire life around caretaking for your family. Do we change our life to fit more of God in us? Are we on the junk food? Are we on the junk food? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Yea, and all that live godly. Those who choose to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers, there we go, where's Ed at this morning? Where's Gary? Shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of them, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We can keep talking about them all day long. Of course they're waxing worse and worse. But what's he say that we do? They are men and seducers and they're going to wax worse. Okay, that's what they're doing. They're eating junk food. What are we supposed to do? As I taught you before, we're supposed to live godly in Christ no matter what they're doing. We keep talking about them. What about him? And we need to bring them to him so they won't wax worse and worse. Christ is the answer. And not just his second coming, but his coming through us to reach them, to save them. After all, aren't we Baptist? When's the last time we baptized somebody? Hello, Baptist! Is it just a name? He said, but continue. That's what they're doing, but you continue. Jubilee goes to school and the school tells her, you can't eat these things. You're supposed to eat these things. 
And she comes home and mommy says, the, the, the teacher told me, the book says, the health book says, this is what we're supposed to eat. What does the parent do? Then Jubilee's sick. Jubilee goes to the hospital and the doctor says the same thing the school teacher said. What does Alicia do? Alicia loves Jubilee. Alicia changes the diet. Do we love the Lord? That we'll follow what the Lord says? And do we love the Lord and love others that we will get others to get off the junk food and feed them what they need to eat? Do, while they're waxing worse and worse, do we join them? Or do we continue in the things which we know? We've been taught. These spiritual disciplines have been taught since the beginning, all the way back to Adam and Eve, all through the Bible and all through every one of your favorite down through the last 2,000 years, pick out your favorite preachers and church leaders that have experienced all these wonderful things. And we're supposed to continue in them. Because we've learned them. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is a re- revealed from heaven against what? All ungodliness. And the unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know the truth, but they're being unrighteous. They know what to do. My grandfather always said that his father always told him, and he didn't learn from his father, don't do what I do, do what I say. But my grandfather did what, didn't follow his father's advice. So he says, don't be dumb like me. My daddy told me, and I listened to my, I didn't listen to my daddy, I did what my daddy did. Now he's telling me, don't do what my dad and I'm doing. Second Peter says, But the Lord is not slack concerning his problem, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want any to perish. He's against what? The wrath is against ungodliness and unrighteousness, not against the men. God is not opposed to the men. He wants to save the men. He's against the ungodliness and unrighteousness, but he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yes, they're waxing worse and worse. But when you go to your doctor and you're still not doing what your doctor says, he's still going to try to convince you that you need to change. Hopefully. Hopefully. The wrath is not against the men. The wrath is against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness that those men are doing in hopes that all should come to repentance. We have to use the whole counsel of God to understand what Paul says. Peter will tell us, make sure we understand the gospel. Romans 11.32, Paul says the same thing. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. He wants all those who do not believe, he wants to have mercy on them. He's not opposed to them, he wants to save them. He's opposed to what they're doing. The wrath is against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness, but not against the men. He wants to save them. His desire is to have mercy on all. His desire, as a matter of fact, Paul says in Romans 1.16, for what has been revealed, the righteousness of God, and it's those of us who partake it, is the power of God unto salvation. That we understand the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that we choose to embrace that. And that's what the spiritual disciplines are all about. Embracing that. Embracing. Embracing that. 
Such that 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as the Spirit of the Lord. Now you may not be able to grasp what the King James is doing here. So I want the New Jerusalem Bible. I'm in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where it says, All of us with our unveiled faces are like mirrors reflecting the glory of the Lord are being transformed. That's what the Greek is actually saying here. King James just says are changing, but we're being transformed. We're being changed. Hopefully you grow from the day you get baptized and you're born again, you're a baby, that you grow into maturity, that you're being changed. These spiritual disciplines are to transform us from one glory to the next glory. From the glory of being born again and saved to the glory of Christ's coming that we're going to experience upon the day we see Him face to face. Whether that's upon our death or His coming. But we're being transformed from the new birth into that experience. And right now He wants us to experience some of that glory now. Into the image. Remember, we were all made in the image of God in Genesis 1. Christ is restoring that image. And how does he do that? He's transforming us. We are being transformed. Being transformed is the Greek here. That we reflect brighter and brighter glory. Notice the glory is getting brighter. You get born again and it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Until it's so bright that you and the sun are almost the same. You're shining with His light. This is the working of the Lord. This is God's work in your life. This is the working of the Lord. God's work in your life. Who is the Spirit? This is the Spirit at work in us now. That's why Jesus hasn't come yet. Because the Spirit is still working in us to transform us. But it's God's work in us. I'm not asking your work. I'm asking you to work with God. And He's going to do it in you. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron. So man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. We sharpen each other through these exercises. Oftentimes they say, for you to get back in the gym, get back in shape, you've got to get with somebody else. You've got to get with somebody. Yes, you should pray alone. Yes, you should read your Bible alone. But then you should also get together like the ladies do on Tuesday at the Bible study. You guys must be doing something really exciting in the Bible study because Ed wants to know what you're doing. <laughs> you got Ed excited about your Bible study. Must be some good stuff. So, hallelujah. But you do it together. We do it together on Sundays. We do it together on Wednesday. But you also do it together throughout the week. You sharpen each other with what? God's Word. You take the Word of God and help someone who's in a rough place to sharpen them. When life is dull, like the knives in the kitchen that my dad sharpened down in the annex. Be careful. They're sharp. Sharpen each other with God's Word. Romans 8, 28. We've done this before and I want to go through this briefly. This is the King James. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. Of course, Kitty would not show up when I wanted her to hear with her NIV. The NIV says, and we know that all things 
God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But if you look at the NIV, there's a footnote. And in the footnote there says, scholars are saying that the Greek can also be rendered two other ways. And I think a person should look at all three. This is the main text. But here's an alternate translation. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to His purpose. And here's the third one that scholars are equally saying is a valid option to do the Greek. And we know that in all things, God works together with those who love Him to bring about what is good. God wants to work together with us. That is a viable, valid way the Greek is expressing it. It's that God is at work using with us. Remember, 2 Corinthians 3.18. It's the Lord working in the Spirit in us. God wants us together with Him. God has a plan, and He wants us to get on His plan. And the only way to do that is through the spiritual disciplines. That's how we work with Him and not against Him. That's how we walk with Him. That's how we're being transformed. With those who have been called according to His purpose. We align our lives with His purpose and we work together with God and He uses us by His Spirit to put us in place so that we're at Walmart in aisle 13 for that person who needs it. That's how it works. That's how it works. That we work with God. Just like Sherilyn and Karen worked on the parsonage among others. With Willis and the family. They're working with God. His plan and his purpose. It's not God. God is, didn't just come down here. And Jesus didn't just leave the throne. Come down here and fix that floor in the parsonage. Did he? Jesus didn't do that. It's people working with God. Doing it. Accomplishing God's purpose and will. You understand that was the problem. You said the previous pastor, nothing got done in there. Then Karen went in there and all that work with Sherlyn and the family and Willis. They all be, Willis, I don't think, did much over the persons. He did most of it here. But they got working with. That's how the meal happened on Friday. God didn't come down and cook all that food. You did. Working together with God. You see what I'm talking about? That's why I think this, the alternate translation NIV is so powerful. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Paul is telling the Philippians how much you did when I was there, but I'm even more excited how much you're doing when I'm not there. The apostle has gone off to another place to preach, but he's so excited to hear about all the work that's going on in the Philippian church, and he's not there, and they're going through so much persecution and suffering, and they're still doing it. And he's not even there. He didn't have to be there behind them to tell them what to do. No, he has connected them with Christ, and they're working together with God, and they're doing so much in his absence. But he says all of that, still, I want you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God, which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. We did this on Labor Day, if you go back to our Labor Day message. But most people don't know this verse in the Bible. Work out your own salvation. Huh? Do the math. Huh? I didn't know. That's works righteousness. Well, you want me to strike that from the Bible then? Do you want me to rip that out of the Bible? I don't know what else might be on the the same page or on the page behind it. Did we tear that out of the Bible then? 
Because it doesn't agree with our theology. Work out your own salvation. For it is God which worketh in you. Together you work. This is why I think the King James doesn't get what the NIV was trying to convey exactly right necessarily in 828, which I'm not saying it's the King James is wrong. I'm saying that we fail in understanding the Greek. It takes multiple ways to look at it for us to fully understand what God is saying. I'm saying one translation doesn't cut it, that the NIV had to put three in there because the Greek is so powerful. You can't just limit it to one expression. We work and God works in us. And together we do this. And we talked about this Labor Day. So go back to our Labor Day message. We talked about this. God is working in this church. Are you excited? He's working. He's doing it. Through you. Do you see it? I saw it Friday. At the dinner. I'm seeing it in the parsonage. God is at work. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing in this church. And you're choosing to do it with us. And you have a plan and a purpose that we work with you. And so thank you, Jesus, for this powerful understanding of how you work. You are doing through us when we yield our lives to you to see what you will do in our lives. We are so thankful and we're so grateful. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.